0: Yeah, Perfect. failure's still trending, I think.
1: Okay, great. It's like yeah, bacon. I have, <laughs> I have ton, tons and tons of failures to talk about.
0: This is Aaron May.
2: I'm John Henry Forster, and this is Awkward Silence.
0: Silences. <laughs> <sighs> Hello everybody, welcome back to Awkward Silences. We are here today with Adam Siegel. He is the head of product at HomeTap, as well as the founder of Boston Product, keeping it all in the Boston family. Uh, So today we're going to talk about user research with emotional products, with products that can really tie into deep emotional stuff that people are dealing with. So we're talking about mortgages, equity, money, relationships, some really meaty stuff. So what does that look like and how do you handle it and what do you get out of it? So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Adam, thanks for being with us.
1: Thank you guys so much for having me. I am happy to uh, to be on, long time, first time. <laughs> oh, nice.
0: <laughs> and J.H. is here as well?
2: I am, I'm excited for this one. I like home projects, so I'm, I'm curious to see where this one goes. Cool.
0: <laughs> Awesome. So Adam, tell us a little bit about HomeTap and user research. Paint a picture for us. What kind of research you guys are doing?
1: Yeah. So um, HomeTap's mission at a high level is uh, to make homeownership less stressful for everyone. Uh, And the way we do that today is by um, giving a homeowner's money. We basically take an equity stake in the home um, and give you money in exchange so that you can go pay for all the other stuff that, that life throws at you. Um, so the user research we're doing is, is pretty broad at times, um, but we're talking about very real, very tangible uh, problems. Like There's a lot of meat on that bone, and, and that's one of the reasons I was so excited to join the team and one of the reasons I love doing the user research here.
0: Fantastic. So what kind of research are you doing? Are you focused right now on discovery research, usability testing? What does that look like, and who are you talking to?
1: Uh, yeah, I think most of our work has been around some usability stuff lately um, to try to understand how people are interacting with different parts of our product or how people think about solving different kinds of problems that are relevant to us, whether we try to solve them today or not. Um, but I also try to do a handful of like open-ended discovery calls whenever I can. I have not a goal of doing ten of these a month, and frankly, I'm I'm pretty behind for the quarter. Um, but it's just really good to to talk to homeowners as often as I can to understand sort of what's ailing them, because um, we have our our hypotheses around uh, why people come to HomeTap, and we we market against those things. But we want to make sure that a we can make that as real as possible with real examples. It's not just about proving yourself wrong or finding new things to do. It's you know confirming that you're right in certain ways. Um, but it's also for sure just making, being as close to that customer experience as possible. So um, socializing the output of these conversations, I feel like is is a very helpful aspect um, for our team. Cool. And
2: what are, just to like maybe get all the way into it, like what are homeowners anxious about? Like what are the emotions that tend to come out of some of these calls that you've had?
1: Yeah. So that's where things, I guess, get the most interesting. So like, most of the conversations start off from a, with a sort of financial angle, because that's the way we try to help them solve problems today. But sometimes it goes off into other directions. Um, you know, we've had people come to HomeTap because they're trying to pay down their debts or consolidate debts. And, you know, learning a little bit more about that is interesting. We've had some people who are going through a divorce and, you know, you don't really think about some of the financial implications of a divorce, um, but they're very significant. And, you know, people are are looking to HomeTap as a potential solution for that. Um, we've got people who want to do renovations where they're either getting ready to get that dream kitchen or, you know, the contractor sort of quit on them halfway through. And that can be a nightmare. So they need to take some money out to finish the project with a different contractor or try to solve that problem another way. Um, so there's a real urgency there and there's real pain behind those conversations. I remember one conversation I had specifically with a homeowner. She had inherited a house from her deceased parents and she was trying to get it ready to for sale. Uh, and she had other stuff going on in her life too. And she was so visibly like stressed out and upset like she had her hands in her face for half the conversation and I wanted to I was resisting every urge to stop my interview and like pitch her on home tap because we were mm-hmm. exactly what she needed mm-hmm. I am like, but like that's not the goal of this conversation Adam you are here to learn from her um but like at the end of it like I wanted to give her a hug I felt so badly for her situation but I'm like oh that's right that's why you do this is because you want to help people like her and because uh, this is a real problem that we can help solve.
0: Amazing. Yeah. That is what we're talking about when we talk about empathy, right? Forget sometimes and nothing like a truly emotionally vulnerable conversation like that. You said you saw her. Were you doing, were you in person together? This one one wasn't
1: in person. Yeah. Um, We've done, yeah. So we had people come into the office um, just to, you know, sort of to try out if that was, you know, a meaningfully different experience versus doing them over like a zoom or something like that, uh, or doing survey work. And it, it, it did make a difference. It was, you know, when there's nothing between you and the person you're talking to, they tend to be uh, a little more forthcoming and it becomes just a more natural conversation. Have
2: you with these types of conversations that do get like pretty real? Have you had to develop new skills or approaches for how to get people comfortable or how to get them to open up or You kind of start as usual and just see where it goes. Like, how does this differ from past experiences doing user research for you?
1: Yeah, it it has been a bit of a a challenge, I'd say. So, I actually did um, user research, but I didn't call it that before I even got into product. Um, I started my career in consulting, and one of the things that we offered um, were these um, what we called perception studies. So, I was an investor relations consultant, and part of my job was to talk to the uh, major stakeholders of publicly held companies. So, you know, pick any publicly held company that's worth a couple billion dollars. Um, You want to talk to the fund manager at Fidelity or at Wellington who owns like, you know, three or 4% of that company. Um, You want to find out what they think of the corporate strategy, the management team, um, the most recent quarterly earnings, you know, buyback policy, all this stuff. And management has their list of questions that they want answers to but we quickly realized that the best conversations are the ones when we let the investor drive the conversation. If someone owns 3% of your company, which is a lot for a public company, you have to care about what they care about. Um, So I sort of got used to having very open-ended conversations and being very willing to lose the script as quickly into the conversation as possible. When I transitioned into product and started doing user research, I had to actually get better about sticking to the script And now I find myself fluctuating depending on what my goals for any particular conversation are um, or the nature of the conversation. Um, If it's like a usability test, you know, I obviously want to stay closer to the script. I want to make sure that I'm asking the same questions and giving the same tasks to every person. Um, But if I sense that there's real pain that's not what's on my page, I will let the homeowner guide that conversation. And I want to learn about that pain.
0: When you go off script and you learn about the pain, what value does that bring back to the organization beyond those basic empathy skills of, wow, there really is pain here that I can tangibly connect with now? Or is that the main value?
1: I think, I mean, I think that is the main value. I think there are second level values in terms of, hey, maybe there is a marketing angle to this. Maybe we should be trying to, you know, maybe this is a segment for that's interesting to us, or maybe there's a story we can tell around this. Um, I think it helps us, you know, on the product side, like anything could make its way into a long enough backlog of a potential like thing to try to help solve. Um, but I really don't look at it that way. I think it mostly just helps to, um, yeah, help keep it, keep the, the pain real and keep those stories real for, for the rest of the team.
0: Right. When I put it that way, there's something sort of terrible. Like, how can we use this pain? How can we,
1: <laughs> how can we make the most of this? How can I leverage this <laughs> pain for yeah. corporate growth? Yeah. Yeah. Not a good yeah. look.
0: There are some no.
2: business words that are probably tough to use <laughs> in, around these things.
1: Uh, yeah. So, you know, like I said, if there's someone who's got like a real issue that's on their mind. Like if I want to talk to someone and I, I go into a conversation expecting to talk about home renovation projects and the real problem they're having is um, budgeting or paying their property tax, I will give them some time to talk about that because that's in the in our wheelhouse of stuff we'd care about. If they're talking about like car problems, I, I might try to re them back a little more quickly because we don't do car stuff.
0: Right. So it sounds like you've gone into some of these conversations with some assumptions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Any of them have been debunked?
1: Yeah, I think so. One of our our core assumptions, I think, uh, around some of the ways that we thought people approached um, home projects has been pretty tough to to zero in on. Um, So that's a very large sort of problem space to get into, right? How people take care of their home. Um, And part of our challenge has been, figuring out how to chip away at it so that we can start to have more consistent conversations. We can start to bring clarity to that. We started by um, trying to you know, limit the, the scope of which kinds of homeowners we want to talk to. Are they very experienced homeowners? Are they newer homeowners? Do homeowners in California versus New York or Texas or Massachusetts think fundamentally differently about some of these things? Um, does geography matter? And then within home projects, are we talking about Big renovations? Are we talking about DIY stuff? Are we talking about chores? So, part of the real challenge has been around focusing those conversations. But I think you know the hypothesis that we've had that people want to be better at that stuff has been uh, harder to to get at than I than I originally thought. I, I think it might be more of a latent desire.
0: Got you. So, people's desire is not to become amazing. DIYers and home improvementers, but it's something else or?
1: Yeah, I think that so, you know, we thought that homeowners liked being self-sufficient or that they wanted Mm -hmm. to learn how to take better care of their home and they want the outcome, but they Mm -hmm. don't have a real strong sense of they don't care how they get there. (laughs) Right. Right. Like some people want to be better at that. Some people like I would rather just have the money to pay someone to make all these problems go away. Right. Right. Um, But again, maybe that's just a segmentation challenge for us.
0: So let's talk more about, yeah, let's talk more about how these um, conversations go. So we talked about you, you do, am I recalling correctly, you do predominantly remote and then sometimes in person. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Most of them have been remote lately.
0: And how, you said you have a goal of 10 discovery sessions per month. I won't put you on the spot with how many you actually do, but what sort of volume of research are you or your teams conducting with folks? in general? It's,
1: it's pretty low volume. Um, we are a small team. We have two product managers and one product designer. Um, and we're sort of a small volume business um, in terms of the overall scale of like, volumes that a business could have. Like It's a high consideration purchase. There's mm-hmm. a lot of money on the line. So we're mm-hmm. not like a very high transaction you know, sort of business. So having 10 very meaningful conversations helps us a lot.
0: Got it. And so, yeah, tell me, what's it like talking to people about their money? I mean, that sounds just incredibly personal, right? Um, Right. what, What have you learned about how to handle that tactfully or for maximum insight? Yeah, that
1: is a tricky thing and frankly something I'm still trying to get better at. Um, It's hard to actually do pattern recognition there Um, and Mm. it's hard not to apply your own biases in those conversations. Like Mm. I've got the way I think about money and the way I like to handle those problems or those issues and it's um, definitely not the way everyone else does it and everyone's got different circumstances and different context and that's probably the main thing that I've learned from these conversations is you can't start talking about how someone approaches financial issues until you've got context, um, for the, the situation itself.
2: And do you need to get into like specific numbers or can you do it kind of on a relative basis of like, you know, this is my mortgage is 30% of my monthly expenditure or do you actually, is it helpful to know, you know, my mortgage is $2,000? Like, do you, like how specific do you need to be?
1: We don't need to get terribly specific. Yeah, the relativism of the numbers uh, is more important to us than the specific numbers. Where you know the ratios matter—how much of your mortgage payment is part of your total monthly budget, or something like that, or how much of your net worth is tied up into the house—is um, is the way we we think about it and the the aspect of it that we care most about. If you're paying twenty one hundred dollars or twenty four hundred dollars, that is is not as, as relevant.
2: Cool. Gotcha. And on the, like, it seems like you guys were exploring something around this notion of like maintenance and projects and just kind of all the stuff that comes with home ownership. And it was kind of hard to to find trends. Is that something you were going into with like a framework or hypotheses or were you doing it very open-ended and like looking to connect the dots or how did you approach? Because like, to me, you know, as a homeowner, it feels like there's a lot of stuff in those categories, like. There's yearly maintenance stuff you got to do. There's like elective DIY projects, which tend to be my favorite. And I do those at the cost of <laughs> the maintenance I should be doing. Um, and like, you know, there's all these other things and like renovations. Um, were you trying to go into that structured and kind of like break it down and, and pick it apart? Or were you just going open ended and see what people brought up?
1: A um, bit of both, I think. There was a bit of a, I guess, what I'd call like a top down approach, which is um, so we start with, you know, our goal again, which is to, you know, help de-stress homeowners and home maintenance is definitely one of the things that causes stress. So we said, okay, well, is there a place for us to be helpful here? Is there something that we could offer to homeowners that also helps us as a business? Uh, And then we started looking around and saying, okay, well, what are the other services that exist out there? Um, Where would we fall into that place? Do we want to, is there like an area, is there an underserved or an unserved opportunity or population here? Um, And that led us to the space of like, yeah, the home maintenance-y aspects of it. Um, That seemed a little more compelling for various reasons than like big home renovation projects, although those are also interesting to us for other reasons. Um, So we started asking about how people take care of their home and started very sort of open-ended. And we tried to understand how people um, assess themselves as homeowners. The answer is not very well. Um, And then we started to try to get closer to what we could do to help them, I was uh, trying to chase down this theory for a while that maybe there was a way for us to give homeowners permission to stop worrying about their house. Like, is there a way for us to say you've done enough this month or this quarter? You don't have to do um, any more maintenance projects, or mm-hmm. this appliance, or this part of the house, or this room, or the you know your yard, whatever the case is, is in good shape. Don't worry about it. Um, we didn't get a lot of clarity on that. I think people are always going to worry about their house.
2: <laughs> That's fair. Um, uh, so when you're doing research, right, it's always important to target the right user. And what I feel like I'm hearing in your case that I wonder if this is something you think about is the homeowners who want help are probably the ones you probably want to find, right? Because you are in the business of helping them and talking to them about what stresses them out or you know what's top of mind is probably the right target audience. But is there a case where like, the homeowners who are like really chill and feel like they have everything everything under control, who are maybe not your target users, are maybe like an interesting segment to learn from because you can try to like pick at it from the other angle of like, why are you so calm about home ownership and how can we get more people to be
1: like you? Do you think about it from that side at all? Absolutely. Yeah. If I got someone, you know, we tried, we, so I should be honest here. We use user interviews to find the people we want to talk to. Um, so if people, you know, came through and the answers were a little different than we were expecting, or someone had more experience or was more comfortable as a homeowner than we thought they were, I would for sure turn that into a conversation about, yeah, what makes you feel like you've got this all figured out? Why aren't you as stressed out as all the other people I'm talking to? And some of it came down to just years of experience. Some of it came down to, um, family, uh, like, uh, help, um, you know, people, we've learned and heard so many times about how useful it is to like people's dads or uncles or grandfathers just being handy and showing them the ropes. Um, that, that came through uh, a handful of times, but no no one's figured out how to productize dads yet.
2: Yeah. That's a tough (laughs) one. My, um, my neighbor, ironically enough, is a general contractor and, um, like whenever something goes wrong, I'm like, Ricardo, like want to come over and like, I'll grab you some beers and like maybe help me fix this thing. And so, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Oh,
1: that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He, uh, he helped me fix my uh, garbage disposal. It was great. Nice.
1: Yeah. We, uh, we have, <laughs> it's also funny to hear how there's the garbage disposal reminded me how like the simplest things can turn into catalysts for bigger projects. Um, I was talking to someone who um, their garbage disposal broke, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back, and they just ended up doing the whole kitchen.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, while well we have the hood up, it's it's exactly. almost a little bit like product management in that way, right? Like you have this whole thing of stuff you could be doing, and you're trying to prioritize what to do because you have limited resources and time. Um, and you know, and then there are times where it's like, well, once we're poking around in this area, maybe we should just fix it since we're there. Um, I don't know if there's any parallels there, but no, I'm just. It's, are you talking to
1: me about refactors? Because <laughs> I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know if I want to go down that road or not. Um, yeah, it's a slippery yeah. slope, right? Right. But yeah, that, that, that is, I think, the way some people deal with it. And that's why um, some people put this stuff off. Um, one of the other things that we found interesting is that um, we had this notion of the proactive homeowner, um, but that's not anything people really identify as or want to become. Everyone is happy generally being reactive, they wait for things to break. And then they fix them. Um, there are certain things that you can talk people into being proactive about, but like no one, uh, very few people are doing the the proactive checks. Um, you know, checking for like drafty windows and stuff like that. They just wait until they feel like it's cold or they see a crack in the window, and then they deal with it.
0: That's funny. I wonder if it's connected. You said that they assess themselves poorly as good. You know, homeowners—is it is it being in reactive mode? Is there any kind of connection there, or have you found any trends uh, in terms of what makes people assess themselves more positively when it comes to being in charge of their homes?
1: I think they just lack the visibility into what other people do. Like in -hmm. terms of how you view yourself as a homeowner, this is very much like a keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing. You Mm -hmm. look at what your other neighbors are doing, and you ask yourself, "Does my house look better?" than that house but unless you're going in their house you don't really know and then most of the stuff you're doing is you know there's only so much that's visible right like if a house is clean that's one thing but like if the boiler is around you to explode that's a very different thing and you generally don't see that at a dinner party
0: hopefully it's a tough
1: dinner party yeah a memorable dinner party yeah (laughs) yeah that's like a fraser dinner party
2: (laughs) the um Uh, The piece of your business that's fascinating to me, and I wonder if you guys do research around this um, or if it's something that is important to understand, is it's a pretty complicated financial arrangement, I'd imagine, right? Like home ownership typically tends to be, there's all these different types of mortgage products and there's all this other stuff and interest rates and blah, 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 right? Um, And Mm -hmm. you guys are coming into it with a pretty unique kind of angle and investment and opportunity. Do you find that like people are, like they get it pretty quickly, Or you need to figure out how to better explain it to them? And is that something you guys do research around as well?
1: Uh, So short answer is yes, um, that we did research on that. And short answer is also yes, people need help understanding it. Um, Home equity investing is a relatively new concept. um, And we have a market education opportunity uh, to help sort of normalize this and help people get comfortable with it. Um, but I overhear the sales calls that are happening, or I try to you know, sit in on them when I can. But yeah, we get the question like, oh, so tell me again what the interest rate on this loan is? And we're like, it's not a loan. There's no interest rate. Um, and that's the first thing you see when you go to our website, and people still ask. Um, so there's definitely a misconception, and there's definitely um, work to be done. And that's probably something I should, when I do my 10 calls next month, I should spend more time understanding how we could help explain the product um, more quickly to people.
0: Based on all that, you've talked a lot about the variety of homeowners, whether it be geographical, what you know, however you slice it, what they care about, how they assess themselves and why they're driven to do home projects and so on and so forth. Despite all of the beautiful variety of you know, human experience that you're interacting with. (laughs) Have you found any trends of any real universal truths in the homeowner experience?
1: Yeah. um, Everyone is stressed out and Mm -hmm. everyone wants help. Mm -hmm. Um, And figuring out how to apply help at scale is our challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, I like to, one of my favorite questions to ask on a user interview um, is, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about X, what would it be? So. you know, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about being a homeowner, what would it be? Uh, most of the people say, "I wish the mortgage would go away." Some of the people say, "I wish I had like a home butler to just take care of everything for me." Mm-hmm. Um, but productizing that is is a is a whole different thing. Like it's a pr- kind of a predictable answer, but um, figuring out what we can do about it as HomeTap is a whole separate challenge.
0: Right. So we've talked about. These, you know, having these kinds of conversations and how you're doing it and what you're learning from it. How do you get folks to join these conversations in the first place? Uh, Is it a hard sell? Do people want to talk about this stuff?
1: For the user research or for the actual product?
0: Yeah, for the, how do you sell your product? For the user research to join (laughs) these sessions and to open up.
1: Oh, no, it's not that hard to to get them to, I mean, you you guys know yeah. this, you help us facilitate this, like, there's enough, there's a gift card that will convince people to do mm-hmm. anything.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> but I think, I, I don't think it's actually that hard to get people to talk about this, because like I said, the pain is usually um, very real, or the stress level is high enough that just the idea of talking to someone about it um, is helpful. And then if that person is pitching themselves or positioning themselves as saying, I want to help, then yeah, it's pretty easy to get people to talk. Um, the harder part is, like I said, doing the pattern matching across conversations. And then when I want to have focused conversations, getting them to to, to focus on the thing I want to hear about.
0: Right.
2: It's almost counterintuitive, probably right, in a way of when people have kind of like lower key stress or something that they've uh, compartmentalized and locked away, you have to really like kind of nudge and pull it out. Whereas if it's something that's much more like an acute stressor in their life, and you're like, hey, how are you doing? And it just like comes spilling out. It sounds like given the trends you were talking about of everyone kind of feeling a little stressed about home ownership, you know, maybe it's almost, it seems like it may be as hard to get people going, but it sounds like people are, are pretty willing to have an ear and, and kind of vent about what is difficult.
1: Yes, I have, I have. I have. Yeah. The, the issue I face is the fire hose problem. Not like, I don't think I've ever gotten on the phone with a homeowner and been like, so tell me what problems you're having. They're like, none, everything's great. My life is Mm -hmm. perfect. My home takes care of itself. And I have no stress in my life that has not come up yet.
0: That's your, Um, that's yeah. That's the person you productize, right? That's
1: the, yeah, that's the person I'd be like, tell me everything. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you've done it. What is your secret? It's, but I haven't talked I haven't found that person yet. I mean, I found people that are like, yeah, I have, you know, a gardener and I have a housekeeper and I have all these people so that I've outsourced enough of it that I don't feel day to day stress. But obviously there's always going to be something else. Um, And the people who have that level of stuff taken care of are also the people who, you know, find uh, little ways to to make things better in, in their home. You know, the kitchen could be nicer. The bathroom could be you know, done a different way there, the curb appeal could be better. There's always going to be something.
0: Could have a functioning bathroom at all.
1: That would be great. (laughs) Now you're speaking my language.
0: I'm just just laughing at your about page. Adam, it says head of product seeking one bathroom per resident.
1: Yes, that is my (laughs) very real life goal. Um, so I live in a one bathroom condo with my wife and, um, I would love it if we each had bathrooms. And to the real issue here is not like it's not like either of us is a bathroom diva or anything. <laughs> I live in constant fear of us both getting food poisoning at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a problem. It would be a real problem in a one bath, especially because that bath is out of commission at the moment.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Awkward Silences brought to you by User Interviews.
2: Theme music by Fragile Gang.
0: Editing and sound production by Carrie Boyd.